Hello, welcome to Shaken Not Stirred. I'm Rich, he's Nick. Hello. Today is a glowing example of what we've put ourselves through for you people. Now, I grant you, you never asked us to, and it was kind of my idea in the first place, and, uh, you know, this was going to happen, but it doesn't make it any easier. Holy shit, this film has a 6.8 on IMDb. Don't even lie. I'm not lying. Are you sure? Why would I make up a number like 6.8? It's right there. All right, what was before this? Hang on. It was... The last one You only was... lived twice. Yeah. Right? What's that got? I'm, I'm looking now. I'm looking now. It has... Come on. 6.9. It's 0.1 better than on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Well, that's just not true. Well, you know what? I think... Um... I think, see, because people... <laughs> no, words, you, words, can't Nick, <laughs> you can't explain it. You can't explain it. Basically, like, before I watched this film again, I actually thought I didn't hate it. Right. But then I watched it again. I went, no, I, no, I was completely wrong. I, I do hate this film. I don't think it's the worst one. By a long shot. Really? I still stand by the fact that the worst one is Moonraker. Yeah, okay, fine. But... I never want to see this film again for the rest of my life now. No, I'm with you there. I'm the, with you. Which, which film is it? Have we said it? On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I, I never need to see this film between now and my death. Whenever that may be. Uh, I'm done with it. There's no need to ever watch it. It was nominated for Golden Globe. Well, if that doesn't discredit the Golden Globes, I don't know what does. And it was nominated for... Uh, oh, no, no one interesting. Just Golden Globe. Most promising newcomer, George Lazenby. <laughs> <laughs> Nominated, didn't win. Oh, dear. Well, okay. I I don't want to... I've been thinking. I, don't, I know we've traditionally been sort of just going through the film bit by bit, and I, I don't think we can do that for this one. Okay. The, there's too many sort of things surrounding this it's too shit a film and it's two and a half hours long it's it's, it's a long film isn't it it's an epic epic it movie didn't, it didn't really want to end there were some elements i liked i i can say that for it but a lot i didn't let's talk about george lazenby first because this is the first significant change to bond really this yeah. is a new bond and we've never had this before. Now we don't care. There's new bonds every other week. But this was the first time it had happened. Yeah. And George Lazenby is Australian? Um, I believe. He is. He was born in Australia and moved to London in 18, oh, 18, 1964. Right. So. He was a mechanic, a car salesman, a prestige car salesman, and a male model. He was. He's quite chiselled, isn't he? There's no getting past that. He, I, I kind of didn't have a problem with him as Bond. He was a bit too chipper in the beginning. I, I kind of see point. There were some very chipper bits. I think he was going for the lighter side of Connery. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think what what we've seen historically is that every time someone gets to be the new James Bond, the first film they do... It sort of has, excuse me, it sort of has some uh, leftover elements from the last guy. Yes, yes. And and it's even worse <sighs> when he actually says, the la- this never happened to the other fella. Yeah. 
that I just it was unnecessary, but I guess it was a, a hat tip. Well, how do you handle the 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 actor change? That that's always been the debate. There was, it, I, I I think for some time with this film, they were going to say that Bond had had plastic surgery. Oh God! Because his face had become too well known. <laughs> And that was the explanation. So they were going to go with, it's the same dude. It's a, it's a good job they didn't. Isn't it just? Because now things would be tricky. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a... I kind of like that they never really explained it. It's a bit like when a, a character gets a haircut, isn't it? In a, in a TV series or something. And they, they, they either go with throw a line of, oh, nice haircut. Or they just don't mention it. Yeah, I I kind of I kind of always liked the idea that Bond was a title and that separate people had this title over the years, but they definitely put paid to that one with if, uh, with plot points in Skyfall. Yeah, and it was it, it's not meant to be that anyway, and it kind of doesn't follow if you just watch the films enough. Um, so we have a new guy, an Australian guy, a male model never acted before kind of guy. He he and... had been in one thing before this. Right. Which was called... Oh, General Hospital. It was a TV series. Isn't that an American no, soap? No, sorry. Sorry, my, my mistake. He was in that in 1982, but the series started in 1963. So he hadn't done anything before this. Right, okay. I see. Um, he's done surprisingly... He's done much more than I would have imagined after this. I, you know, I've never seen him in anything else. No, I was looking at that and then I decided that actually I wouldn't have seen any of these, no. And he's not done anything I've watched since, I don't think. Oh, except Baywatch, maybe. Superboy in 1990. I think I used to watch that. Team Knight Rider. He's, He's obviously friends with the Hoff. Do you think that might be the case? Not a massive actor, really. I didn't, I didn't think he was bad. Um, he wasn't. The, but terrible. the problem, is, the problem is that the film was that bad that I couldn't like him. Oh yeah, I I am with you on that. It wasn't bad because of George Lazenby. It was just really bad. Oh, I don't know. Do you think he made it worse? He didn't help. Well, I mean, you can have a, you can have a good actor in a bad film, but he didn't really shine as a good actor. I don't think anyone would have shone as a good actor in that film. Imagine it with Sean Connery in. Would it have been better? I, I don't think so. But then I don't think they would have made the changes that they did make if it had been Sean Connery. It would have been a totally different film. Yeah. I think they changed it just to sort of... Because it was a new Bond, new era, new movie... They changed it to try and get away from the Connery-esque side of things. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of some of the changes. The The opening credit sequence is, is very unique within the, the Bond universe. Um, very stylized. And, and and certain elements of, like, the fight scenes, were there were sound effects there. Yeah. And funny film tricks and and special effects that you you wouldn't expect to be there even now the only <laughs> the only comments I, I have about the title sequence as you brought it up were um 
they used old footage in the titles again. Yeah. Um, and pointy nipples ahoy. I've got on there. Pointy nipples ahoy. Yes. A lot of pointy nipples in in the uh, title sequence. I need to bring this men this this film up on my computer so I can see it actually. Maybe that would be a better way of doing things. Bear with me. <laughs> And I think I think we discussed this the the other day, but I'll say it again. I think you said it last time. The ruffly shirt. All he wears is ruffly shirts in this. I I couldn't stand the ruffly shirt. How was the ruffly shirt ever a good idea? It just looked terrible. Absolutely yep. terrible. Oh gosh, I don't have this film on my computer. I'm going to have to go to Google oh, Drive. I've got sake. it. Don't Sorry, worry. it's trying to launch parallels now. Why is it doing that? You'll have clicked a link that only opens no. in Windows or something. What, an MP, M4V? I don't know how you've got that thing set up. It could be anything. Nor do I. That's the problem. <laughs> I'll obviously edit around all of this. Of course you will. Oh, I even deleted it off. Oh, it'll be in the bin, maybe. What, the DVD? <laughs> you threw it in the bin? No, the, uh, the rip I had of it. There it is. I can restore it. Let's do that. Uh, there we go. Oh, it's yes. two hours, 15 minutes. It's not two and a half. It's, it's two hours, 15. It's not as... Ter- it just feels like three three days, really. Right. This film. Oh, bloody Google Drive won't play. It wants me to download it. I'll start that going. It shouldn't take too long, maybe. 2.1 gigabytes. This is actually going to take for the rest of my life, isn't it? <laughs> Possibly. Hopefully we'll have finished by the time. Actually, we may well have done. Anyway, we'll carry on talking. Where were we up to? The the opening credits, George Lazenby. Yeah, I don't think it was worse. It, oh. it had all the usual tropes there of, you know, universal exports and walking into a trap in a hotel and so bad, many traps well, all actually, over. The the first scene though is the is the car the car trying to overtake him and he has to go and rescue the the girl from the beach, mm-hmm. which is just such a weird scene. I don't think would Bond do this. I don't know. Well, he apparently did. Well, yeah. It, it was all very odd. The whole thing is very odd. It it just doesn't sit right at all. It it's like who commits suicide like that as well, just walking into the sea. And who who then takes that as an excuse to drive their car at breakneck speed across the beach for no reason? James Bond does. Yeah. It none of this makes any sense. I'm I'm totally no. bewildered. I'm having trouble because I'm kind of flabbergasted and 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 uneasy with the whole thing it doesn't feel like a james bond film in the usual sense no um the the whole thing is off it's kind of like a, a just a parallel universe bond film have you ever seen the the tv show fringe uh i saw yeah i've seen, seen some of it yeah it feels like if when the the alternate world have made a bond film and that's what we're watching <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like something that came from this universe and I, I don't know quite what to do with I it. Think, I think I've worked out what, what's happened. It was actually uh, 
I I think they deleted it, but I think um, there was an episode of Quantum Leap where he jumped into Bond. That that would make sense to me. I'm on board with that. <laughs> I, I don't know any other reasonable like, reasonable explanation for this. It, it, it's just so weird. It, it it's just so weird that I I have trouble dealing with it mentally. Um, it, it's got one of your favorite Bond girls in it, though. Diana Rigg. She was rocking in 1961. There's just now getting past this. That is yeah. that is one hot lady. If anyone gets to marry James Bond, why not Dame Diana Rigg? From Game of Thrones, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, this is this is this is the movie that kind of breaks all the rules, isn't it? It's the movie where he falls in love. Yep. He gets married. He quits his job. And. The girl dies? No, they, they, a lot of girls dying in films, isn't there? But this one was his wife, and he, he cries. He does, he cries at the end. What a what a, what a a shit moment to end a film on, by the way. Yeah, I know. Let, let's just skip to the end, because obviously, if you've not seen this one, <laughs> you, you know that James Bond doesn't have a wife, so obviously when he gets married, she's going to die. Um, Who ends the film on that? I, I don't... But that that Get is it. how the book ends, though. Then it's a stupid end for the book. Actually, didn't I read at some point that this is perhaps one of the more faithful uh, book-to-film translations? I haven't read this one at all. I, d- I don't know anything about it. It's been so long since I did read it. I can't remember. Gosh, it says here he was 29 at the time of filming. Wow, really? He looks as old as my dad in this film. He, he certainly looks like he's in his 40s. There's just no way he looks six years younger than me right now. Wow. I'm I'm truly stunned at that. Wow, people looked older in 1961, 69, didn't they? That, that well, is... was, that, was that before, you know, modern day medicine and stuff? It, it was before <laughs> lots of stuff. Clearly, he was 29. Oh, that just makes this even weirder. In the bizarro parallel universe, people start off really young, and no, really old, and then get younger. It's the opposite way around. Right, okay. That's, That's what the 60s is, is it? Yeah. Um, it's so weird. I'm, I'm just weirded out by the whole thing. Do I sound uneasy and, and sort of distraught? I am distraught. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, uh, Maybe. I don't feel my usual comfortable self, you know. I've got, I've got a couple of pages of notes here, but I'm looking at them going, none of it matters. What? None of this matters because basically <laughs> he goes and stays in some sort of weird brainwashing thing in a mountain. He's really, really shit at being a spy. Yep. Blofeld's in charge and he can't outrun a bobsleigh. Well, the, the, right, so hang on. We've got, let's examine the problems with this more closely. First of all, he spe- that, that is Blofeld. Telly Savalis is Blofeld. Yeah. Leader of Spectre, all this. And Bond is in this house with him for ages. And why doesn't he just throttle him? Just Why doesn't, kill why doesn't him. he get recognised? Well, that's the problem. They've met before. Yeah, they have in uh, You Only Live Twice. They meet in the volcano. Um, but he doesn't recognise Bond. I, I don't know what to tell you. 
actually that is mentioned in the trivia. I have read something about that, and it was to do with let's see. Because he put on a pair of glasses. Apparently, Connery was offered a million dollars to do this film, but said no. I wonder how they got him back for the next one. Maybe they offered him two million. Yeah, much more money. Um, George Lazenby was the youngest actor to portray James Bond. By, like, ten years or more? Three years. Connery first started at age 31. Right. Um, But apart from that, it's almost ten years, yeah. Adam West turned it down. That would have been spectacular. Uh, that was that would have been amazing. No, that's that's what was weird about the. I, I didn't notice until reading this trivia. That's what was re- weird about the opening sequence is that where we see Bond come along and do the the sh- um, shooting the guy down the gun barrel thing, he drops to his knee. Yeah, it's the only version of the sequence. Um where the blood goes down completely to erase Bond's image. It's little changes that just amount to a lot mm. when added it just, together. It just doesn't add up right. It all adds up to make it really weird. Although his his firing the gun thing wasn't bad, I do think Roger Moore's is the worst. Because he can't... The thing with Roger Moore is <laughs> he can't really move. He, d- he never looks comfortable in his own body, I think. Uh, so Aww. when he does the big the spin round yes. and the fire, I always think he's going to sort of fall over a bit. He obviously never does, but I always expect him to. It, it's He's very... Yeah, I never saw... We'll come on to Roger Moore yeah. in, in an episode uh, or two, but it's... Uh, I, I will say, though, Rich, that you are almost on the money here. Um, This was the longest... Bond film until Casino Royale in 2006. It's It feels very long. Although I always thought Casino Royale can sometimes feel quite long. Maybe that could have been cut down a bit more, but it's not that bad. I, I felt maybe all the stuff in sort of Visit Venice at the end of Casino Royale, it, it just felt a little sort of, I felt the movie should have ended by now at, yeah. that, part, at that part, but I, I'm not, you know, it, it certainly it doesn't make it on a Majesty Secret Service. Um, this this is far worse than Casino Royale in every possible way. What were right, we talking okay. about? So, oh, why why Blofeld doesn't recognise him? I still yeah. haven't found it, but I've read it. It's something to do with just a screw up in the order of the books and the order that they did the films and that sort of thing. Um, that said, that makes it really sloppy. Because you're right, why doesn't Blofeld recognise him? Why doesn't he just kill Blofeld right away? How how many problems would that solve if he just did that? And there's nothing stopping him apart from all these women. But he doesn't do that. Um, The the Blofeld escaping on the bobsled is an absolute joke. (laughs) All of it is an absolute joke. I mean, first of all... He's escaping, but he's not, like, driving away. He's going down a track. So just go to the bottom of the track and sort of wait for him. And then just get him then. Um, So there is that. But Bond chases him. The bit I did think was especially stupid about the bobsled bit was when Bond has fallen off his bobsled, but he just sort of catches... He holds out his arm and catches onto the back of Blofeld's sled 
and jumps yeah. on. And I think if you did that, it would rip your arm off. <laughs> Certainly if you did it now. Um, you know, we're recording this just after the Winter Olympics is finished. And I, I think any of the bobsled teams that competed in this Winter Olympics, if you were to really just stand still by the side of the track and grab onto their sled... You'd, I, it'd rip your arm out I, of your yeah. socket at the very least. I don't think you'd even fall over. I think it would happen so quickly, you'd just suddenly not have an arm. And yet James Bond can do that and jump on the back. And I don't think that's a question of how tough you are. I think it would just rip your arm out of the socket, whoever you are. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Maybe you can do it. Maybe bobsledders do it all the time as part of a laugh after practice. Let's all jump on the sled halfway around the track. I don't know. But I think it would rip your arm off. So much wrong with it. So much wrong. It's, it's, yeah. Right? Now, what I did appreciate... Go on. ...was after Bond has figured out where Blofeld is... Any any secret mountain lair and everything. He yeah. then goes back to M, yeah, and says, "I found him. Can I have loads of guys to go with me? And we'll go and get him." And then they all go and get him. Whereas in every other Bond film, these other guys just appear as if from nowhere, like they were all just waiting for Bond to go. He's here. He's here. Come and get him. Yeah, and they all turn up. But in this one, it actually made sense. It was a bit more like this is he's always oh, reporting back on what he's, he's found, like he was told to at yeah, the beginning yeah. of the film. You're right, because it's normally like Felix will turn up with a, an army of American Marines or something towards the end, won't he? Exactly. Or, or you know, ninjas or something. Yeah, but, but um, there's none of but, that. Yeah. So I did, I quite, <clears throat> I did quite like the battle at the end when the helicopters come in and, and everyone jumps out and they have a good old gunfight at the top of the mountain i thought that bit was quite good and and to its credit the skiing down and shooting was fun for a bit but man that went on it it does lots of it just goes on but and oh, it does like this it drags so much this film and like the um uh the scene where he's trapped in the the winch room for the uh cable car he seemed to be in... Like, I felt I was watching him for about an hour of the film <laughs> in that room. I didn't mind that bit. I see what you mean, that it dragged on, but it it, it felt a bit... Oh, what am I thinking? It was a nice bit of tension, a nice bit of physicality to the part. Um, It made it clear that he's not all just fighting toughness. There's some climbing around stuff and that sort of thing. But you're right, it, it really, really does go on. Yeah. Um, everything is wrong with this film, Nick. I don't know what else to say. We will keep talking about it, obviously, because I've, we've not I've been doing to, it for say, very the long. The guy but... who directed this, um, Peter Hunt, actually started off as an editor on Thunderball and supervising editor on You Only Live Twice. And worked so his way up to director. Yeah. It's almost like they went, well, yeah, go on then. Have at it. Let's see what else he directed. He didn't do another Bond film, did he? Oh, and in fact, nothing else I recognise at all. Gulliver's Travels? Shout at the Devil? The... Why do I know Shout at the Devil? None of these names mean anything to me. Oh, I know why. Yeah, it's, it was uh, 
a film that actually my mum and dad were involved with. Really? Yeah. Do you have filmmaking pedigree in your family? No, not even. No? No, my my mum my mum was Roger Moore's driver on Shout of the Devil. Oh right. How yeah. uh, bizarre in South Africa as well. And uh, yeah, anyway. There's a whole lot of story about your family there that I need filling in on. <laughs> it, it's yeah, very weird. But uh another time. Yeah. Roger Moore's South African driver. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> fine. Just go with it. I will do. That's fine. Nothing nothing to question there. Um <laughs> but yeah, he's not done anything else. He's not done any other Bond oh, and he's films dead. that I That's a shame. He died in 2002. People die, Nick. It happens. I know. I know. It happens. Uh, Telly Savalas is the bad guy. What did you, What did you think? Uh, he just looks so different. Like he was. Uh, like he was fine. He, was, he he played creepy very well. I don't. Um, I I disagree. I don't think he did. I really? I think yeah. I think when you're coming off the back of you only live twice, when Blofeld is, uh, oh, what's his name? I want to say Donald something. Donald Pleasance. Pleasance. Yeah. He's extremely creepy. Because yeah, he first is. of all, you're not used to seeing him totally bald. So there's that, and they've got the weird eye thing with the scar. And he's only little, which makes him even weirder and scarier. But the whole eye thing, like, comes and goes throughout the the run of films, doesn't it? Well, I I find it quite odd that they do this. As much as they change Bond, they change Blofeld. You know, it depends on who's playing him in what film, as to how (laughs) creepy he is, and that that sort of thing. And I, I wish they'd kind of kept him a little more consistently creepy. Oh, of course. He was Kojak. Yeah. Of course he was Kojak. That's what he's known for, isn't it? Yeah. Which but he I've... never played Blofeld again, did he? No. I don't think anybody did twice. I could be wrong saying that. We'll we'll figure that out over the course of this series, but... No, I'm not sure anybody did twice. He's just too a bit... He's a bit too sort of charming and charismatic for my liking. The fact that he could comfortably carry on a conversation. And you kind of felt that Donald Pleasance's Blofeld was a bit more of just an unhinged psychopath. <laughs> and that's kind of what I I liked about Blofeld. It's such a terrible character because they just stopped making films about him until the beginning bit of, what is it? Uh, a View to... Not A View to... For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only. It's it's a whole ten years before he comes back. And that's, Diamonds Are Forever, and then the next... That was 1971, and then For Your Eyes Only in 1981. Who plays him in Diamonds of Forever? Is that... Uh, Charles Gray. Charles Gray, yeah. I think he's probably my favourite one. He's a little creepier. Hang on a minute. No, surely... Wait a second. What? Are you getting confused because Charles Gray is in You Only Live Twice? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> he is, but he's not Blofeld. No, who who's he play? He's, he's the uh, British contact in China. Who gets stabbed through the paper wall? That's who it is. Yeah, okay. Mid sentence. Yeah. He just yeah, gets yeah, yeah. And then it's oh, you've been stabbed. See, if you had bricks, you'd be fine. Now, you stupid people. Yeah, Henderson plays Henderson. Yeah. Um, 
But he's, yeah, he's Blofeld in, in Diamonds of Forever. I'm just looking up where else the name Blofeld. Diamonds of Forever, For Your Eyes Only. Never Say you Never Again. twice. Oh, is Max von Sydow in Never Say Never Again? I should watch that. Well, I shouldn't, but I'm going to have to watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? Max von Sydow? He looks nothing... No, it's, been, it's not an official film, is it? Well, no. See, Donald Pleasance, he had that creep factor about it. He had that freaky sort of icky-looking-ness about him. Yeah. Charles Gray, you can believe... Charles Gray, I just believe is evil. Yeah. I don't even overly trust him in the beginning of You Only Live Twice, and I know there's genuinely nothing to not trust about him in that role. He's on Bond's side. He does his job as much as he can before he gets stabbed through the paper wall. He's got that face, though, isn't he? He does, and it's the voice. It's that extremely British voice that is ever so polite as I explain to you why I'm going to have you skinned alive and fed to some sort of barnyard animal. We'll make a frightful mess. That's the... <laughs> that's the kind of... And that is unhinged. That is frightening. Is it, does he play bad guys normally? I think he does. Hang on. Let's I'm having a look through. Let's and look I, at Charles Gray. Realise we're not even talking about. On her we're most, skirting the issue. We, we put this off for so long, and now that we're doing it, we're just sort of skirting around the film. But I'm kind of okay with that. So am I. It's the best thing to do. <laughs> I can honestly say, look, if you've seen this film, you'll know. You, why. You'll know what we're talking about. If, if you haven't never... seen this film, skip it. Yeah, I Just mean, it's it. it's kind of, uh, if you have to see, because I think the thing with this film is, is that it's the one in which Bond gets married, and that is referenced several times throughout the rest yeah. of the films. And if you, if you want to see that event take place, then you're going to have to watch this film. If, on the other hand, if it's you're not quite... much to, like just skip to that point. Though. Yeah, if you're quite I'll, happy I'll accepting exactly that where it is. at one point Bond got married, just move on. Do you, do okay. you need to see it? Here we go. It's at... Um... Back a little bit. Right. Skip to two hours, nine minutes. No, in fact, that's just when they're choosing the engagement. Yeah, two hours, nine minutes, and fifty-six seconds, and then just watch that scene from the from there to the end. That's all you need to know about this film. I mean, we're forgetting why he gets married in the first place because he's looking for Blofeld. He finds this dude who knows where he is, and the guy says, well, "I'll tell you if you marry my daughter because she's yeah, a bit of a mess." She is a bit of a mess because she's the one who was trying to commit a suicide, right? I think so. Yes, yes, she was. She crops and, up and all he's the time. fine with that. He's, he's yeah. Why not? You have really weird montages of them taking walks in gardens and you know looking in shop windows. It just bangs on a bit about it all, doesn't it? Really. Um, I, she's I like her though. I kind of like the character, and she turns up at the right moment several times. Yeah. She's good at skiing and getting away from people. And driving the car. And I'll tell you who isn't good at skiing. All of Bro- Blofeld's men. All of them. All of them. <laughs> they live in the bloody Alps and they get chomped up by snowblowers. I love that bit because the snowblower doesn't even like turn off. 
No. And the guy, like... He just carries do, on. I'm sure... You, do you see a shot of the driver? I think you do at some point. Well, there must, a, yeah, there must be a yeah. driver in it. And they're like, oh. <laughs> do you think he's like... Oh, darling, there was three of them today. I I went over and said the usual one. <laughs> Bloody skiers. It's quite a gross thing, that, actually, for a bonfire. I don't think we'd seen anything quite that graphic. No. Because it is graphic. He falls under the snowplow and gets chewed up, and it just sprays blood and, and Blofeld henchmen all over the place. Like, there's proper chunks in there as well. Yeah. It's almost as if they actually did get some sort of animal and throw it under the front of that snowplow. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not suggesting they harmed an animal in order to do that. Maybe they got one that was already dead, but... It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it, it did come out looking like they did that. I've got a copy of the film now. It's downloaded, by the way. Oh, so good. We've got that. Um, Should we... like? Let's do a, a really fast summary of the film. Okay. Right, so... Bond's still obsessed with Blofeld. Yeah. And he's taken off the case by M, who is an admiral, we find out in this film. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, right, okay, fine, I'll go on holiday. And he goes on holiday to track down Blofeld. Um, And he meets this this guy who says, yeah, I'll tell you where he is, but you have to marry my daughter. And he's like, yeah, all right, fine, whatevs. Uh, And he falls in love with her. And then he goes back to M and goes, I found him. And M's like, well, you shouldn't have done that. But as you have, you may as well bloody go and get him. So he goes to, he poses as a a genealogist. Genealogist? Genealogist. No. What is it? He follows names and family histories and that sort of thing. It's the coat of arms and Blofeld, Blofeld for some reason or other wants to prove that he's royal. I think he's yeah. I think he proves that he's royal through tracing the family line, so that he has title, so that he can own a bit of land or something like that. We do get shown uh, in for the first time that the Bond family motto is "the world is not enough." Yes, I love that bit. I love that as a family motto. <laughs> what kind of psycho fucked up family has that? The world is not enough. Okay, and also, and out. also, the fact that they used it as a title later on, yeah, in in in, in not a very good film, but they used it as a title later on. Well, do so, carry on. So yeah, so he he poses this uh, Scottish genealogist and uh, and goes to meet Blofeld, who he's never met before, but he has. They don't recognise each other, even though they do. Um, and wears a lot of cardigans, doesn't he? He does. This is cardigan Bond cardigan bond and and uh and no one really questions it because you know they asked him questions and he answered them um and then he ends up in this uh it's a biological testing facility isn't it where it's a place they're, where you they're can supposed hip- to be curing allergies yeah but you can hypnotize people with shiny lights and a speaker yeah, that yeah, that's that's the that's the secret side of it. So they go for this treatment and they get over their allergy to shellfish and uh, you know acting and uh, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, but they're hypnotized at the same time to be sleeper agents and they would kill people when Blofeld wants them to. And Bond sort of shags his way around there, even though he's engaged. Um, and then he gets found out and. 
you know, they try to kill him in a really obscure way and that doesn't work. So they try again and that doesn't work. And all the time, his poor partner is just trying desperately to get up to the top of the mountain and just keeps getting thrown off. He does. That's not Felix Leiter, though, is it? No, it's not. It's not. In it's fact, just some other guy. Yeah, there's no Felix Leiter in this film. He's Don't one know. of my favourite characters, Felix, but he's not in this. Um, and then, and then Bond goes, "Oh, I spent enough time up here. I should probably escape and get back up. But I can't really do much." So off he skis down the mountain and gets chased by people who can't ski. Runs into a Christmas market in the ski village. It might just be a market in the ski village, and to us, it kind of all looks Christmassy. Because it's snowy. Yeah. And his fiance turns up at just the right time. And off they go and ski and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then they never really solve anything, do they? No. They blow, they blow up the, the thing on the top of the mountain. No, um, they, they don't really deal with anything properly. Blofeld gets away again, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Comes back to shoot Mrs. Bond. In fact, I find that whole end bit of him driving the car while the woman shoots out the back window is all really crap. <laughs> it's it's kind of like he's reduced you to that drive, just you driving this woman around with a machine gun. That's Spectre now. It, it's it's really awful. It, the whole thing seems kind of beneath Blofeld. Isn't it because he's has he been injured? I think he's he's in a neck brace by the looks of it. Yeah, because he, he gets caught on the bobsled by sort of yeah. sticking his head out too far, getting stuck on a tree branch. It's actually quite funny. Um, But I will, like, I will say that scene where, you know, they shoot his wife and he doesn't realise and he goes around and he's like, come on, come on, darling, let's, let's go. And then he realises she's dead. Mm-hmm. It's very touching. Very touching. It's well until, done. Until the little guy, the little gnome on the moped comes along and goes and looks in the window to see what's happening and goes, oh, they're just, uh, well, what would they call it in the 60s? Necking? Something like that. <laughs> and then he goes, uh, this guy's a bit mental. End film. End film. Cue Louis Armstrong. Cue Louis Armstrong. Joanna Lumley was in this film. Was she? Have I totally missed that? I had no idea. I only noticed because I was looking at the credits. I swear to God I watched it. I really did. Now I feel like, how could I have missed Joanna Lumley? She played the English girl on top of the mountain. She did as well. Oh, I didn't notice. I'm I'm scanning back through now. Me too. She can't have had many shots. I'm looking at a scene. I don't even... Oh, that's where he meets the girls. Okay. I'm just watching. I'm about 55 minutes in. Yeah, yeah 55, in... 28, 29 is where it is. Yeah, he's actually meeting them. I can't recognise Joanna Lumley in that. Is it the one in the green... With the glasses? Psychedelic... No. No. The one in the, in the green psychedelic dress on sitting on the back of the sofa. At 55, 28. Oh, I see. Is that her? It seems more likely to be her than... Oh, I think it might be. Uh, oh, no, no, hang on. No, no it's not. 5529, the girl in the black. 
doing the knitting. 5529 knitting. Bear In the foreground. Oh, I I see her knitting, but I don't think that's her. Oh, that might Look at be the her. eyes. Look at the eyes. Yeah, that is her. Yeah, oh, that's Joanna Lum. And Princess Leia in the background, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, George Lucas didn't invent that haircut. <laughs> oh, it's all very odd. Why are they all dressed like that? Why? And all in sort of traditional kind of things as well. <laughs> it, it's all very odd. It's so stylized. It, it, it's kind of like watching the Adam West Batman. That's what it is. It's the Adam West Batman version of James Bond. It is because all the sets and the props and the decor and the costumes are all exactly the same, aren't they? Mm-hmm. As in the Adam West Batman. Yeah. All the it's the colours of everything, the whole sort of colour palette of the film. Like the the purple casino at the beginning. Yeah. Which is looks like a horrific place. Why would you go there? It's so gaudy and horrible. But it's then mad. wasn't everything gaudy and horrible in nineteen sixty nine? I wasn't alive, Rich, so I don't know. I, I feel that was a feature of the age. Like okay. when, when you watch anything from that sort of period, it's all very bright colours. And it was leading into the 70s with orange wallpaper and stuff like that. And brown, lots of brown. Lots of brown. I, I do feel that brown is sort of, again, the defining colour of the 70s. Very Money Penny's hat at the end as well. The oh, wedding. Money Money Penny's hilarious in this film. She is. Look, she, especially she's... with the crying at the end. Like you really thought he was gonna marry you one day, didn't you? You sucker. You honestly thought that all that flirting really meant something. And it was only you only you thought that. Poor woman. Oh, she'll never mention his wife though, ever. No. Never gets brought up again. Bless her. Poor Diana Rigg. I don't have much else to say, you know. It's it's just a terrible, terrible movie. It really is. And it, it really is. It's, it's not so much the story. It's not so much the acting. It's it's all these things put together in totally the wrong way. We- it's, the, it's the difference in the weather as well from scene to scene. Like some some stuff was shot abroad, some was clearly shot in the UK on a bit of a murky day, and and you know other bits uh, against snow, and you're just like, Ugh. I I think I think you could make the same script to be a better film. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I I think you could give the same exactly the same script to a different director, and they would come up with something completely different to this. It, it it's. It's a great example of how a film is more than the sum of its parts and how you you get the ingredients wrong and you just can't get the whole thing right. Does that I, make sense? I think I think so. The one thing I will say about this film is that the bits where they're sort of superimposed against backgrounds or you know rear projected or whatever. Mm. They're the best they've ever been thus far. And, you know, out of car windows and things, they're the best they've ever been. And I don't know whether that's because of technology or because they had someone who knew about post-production directing it or what. But uh, you don't notice it as much. It doesn't pull you out of the story as much. He said, 
he says, looking at the bobsleigh scene and going, mm. <laughs> well, technology moves on. It get it gets better and better, and so things yeah. like that look better. And then they eventually ruin it with Pierce Brosnan uh, surfing on a type a big wave <laughs> in yes. the snow and that sort of thing. So they can go too far with it. it it's it's quite good here. <sighs> I hate this film, Nick. I hate it. I, yeah, I, I I just. Really In fact, the it. the other day, uh, you you apologised for my wife having to sit through it. I I genuinely feel bad for her, I'm, and I'm so sorry. I, you know. And do you know what happened after we watched this film? She divorced oh, she, you. She's well, yeah. I won't know she's, she's never going to want to watch another Bond film again. And she said to me, "We have to watch another one tomorrow, so I can get rid of this from my memory." Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, wow, in terms of that's quite understanding. I was told in no uncertain terms, you're not putting that on while I'm here. <laughs> not, oh, put another one on so I can I can get the bad taste out of my mouth. No, no, just don't watch that near me <laughs> at all. You can go off. I'm out a lot of the time. Watch it then. Go off upstairs. Watch it yourself. But do not put that on while I'm on. That's what Alison said. And it's difficult to argue. Yeah. <laughs> it really, is. I can't say no. You should, you should watch it. Like she doesn't care. She hates the James Bond films anyway. Um, although she liked Skyfall, she seemed to like it a lot more than she would like me to admit publicly that she liked it. The thing is, though, from from sort of Timothy Dalton onwards, they're not as bad, are they? No, not at all. Some of the Brosnan ones trailed off a bit, but other than that, no, they're not that bad. And in, in fact, you know, from Timothy Dalton onwards, there was certainly no, not, not one that it dropped to the depths of this. No. Maybe Die Another Day. No. E- even that, as being the worst of the post-Dalton ones, isn't as bad as this. <laughs> It just but got... you said it wasn't. You know, well, you you said um, Moonraker. Moonraker, I think, is the worst one, and and the the reason why is because I think Moonraker doesn't even make sense as a film. It's because it's absolutely nothing like the book. I, I again, I've I've not read that book. They don't go into space, do they not? No, Moonraker's a missile, right? Um, I I think the point was with when they made Moonraker, they just wanted it to be bigger. It was and, kind of like spacier. What, yeah, where can James Bond go now? Because he's been all over the world, and space was big in films at the time. So you you send him into space. Yeah. I kind of get that from a marketing perspective, but the the film didn't make sense. It, there's so much wrong with it, and it, it's beyond production. It, it, the script is is garbage. It doesn't make sense. Uh, whereas with this, at least it does. It's just made badly. Uh, and so, for that reason, I rank this one above Moonraker. Just, Fair enough. Um, you know, um, it, it's just bad. Should we do some trivia about this? What What trivia would you like to talk about? Um, in the original take of the final scene featuring Tracy's death, George Lazenby came to tears. The director yelled cut and made them shoot the scene again because he said Bond does not cry yet this they left the Bond crying bit in because he does cry yes they only they shot two takes so that must be the one that they used hmm 
Um, does he cry? I'm just looking now. Apparently he does. It also says in here that it's the last, that the only time Bond does cry. That's true. Um, the, the weddings, <laughs> Bond and Tracy's wedding day took five days to shoot. It's about 10 seconds long. It really isn't long at all, is it? I did notice that. It, it's it's really, really not long. And a lot of it is sort of cutaways. Yeah. Like all the shots of Money Penny. You could do that anywhere. That, that was done anywhere. They're never in the same scene. Absolutely. I, I bet there's a bit of pine wood near you that is that bit of garden, to be perfectly honest. I know exactly which bit it is. There you go. <laughs> There you go. And so, no, no one else will have been on set that day. It'll just have been Money Penny. That's all. That's pretty much almost it. That's a B unit shot. Absolutely. Really? I don't so, understand why it took five days to shoot. Neither do I. I don't know how you could have taken five days to shoot that, other than taking four and a half days off <laughs> and then shooting it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I'm get just it. looking at that. I just want to confirm that I'm not just I'm not just spouting bollocks, but no, actually, Money Penny and Bond are not in the same shot throughout the entire wedding sequence. So it was it was a B unit. Yeah, they're not at all, are they? So uh, yeah. Oh, this has just reminded me as well uh, as he's talking to Q at his wedding. The scene where he's going through his desk after he thinks he's resigned and he's picking up all the gadgets from previous films and it's playing the, the theme tune to the old Bond films oh, as he God. picks them out, which is horrible as it is. But what amused me is this is him clearing out his desk from work and what this implies is is that once he's used something on a mission, it's his to keep. <laughs> You know, like these are just little presents that Q's giving him. Presents, yeah. You know, so you just hang on to that, that thing that lets you breathe for four minutes underwater. You never know when you might need that again. <laughs> Where is this in the film? I can't remember. It's, but it's I wanna... quite early on. Uh, uh, hang on, it must be here. 28 minutes. Yeah, that seems about right. 29, 20, oh, maybe 20, a bit before 27. Then. Oh, 20... Uh something like that around that point it's so weird isn't it i know what they're trying to do i think once again they're they're implying that this is not you know this is the same person this is not a new guy this is him he's remembering missions that you remember him having but then that's really hypocritical because at the beginning they're like well this isn't the same person this never happened to the other guy why did they put that in Honestly, if they'd have edited that out, then it, it, I think that would have made a difference to a lot of people as to whether they'd like this film or not. Yeah, maybe. I know. I've, I, I've got to say as well, his desk drawers are so empty; it's they've just got gadgets in them. Well, what else is he gonna have? He doesn't have. I mean, he's got I'm, two telephones on his desk. What? I why? Suppose he's got a secretary for doing all his typing. What typing? What do, what does Bond have to type up? We never hear him talk about reports or or filing things or 
Anything like that. He must have to do mission debriefs or something, file a report. But look at his office. It's all filing cabinets and drawers and folders. I didn't get Blofeld again. Yeah. (laughs) Fucked it up again. Has got a nice painting of the Queen on his wall, though. He has. As we are, we are left to assume that all government buildings have a picture of the Queen on a, on a wall in every room. Oh, yeah, except M's office where they have uh, ships. Ships, <laughs> yeah. That's Constant ships. Just ships. Well, he's naval, isn't he? He's an admiral, yes. That's his life. And he has a red phone. He's got, oh, he's got three chairs in his office. Bond has, as yeah. if he has meetings. Yeah. I know. The whole thing's doesn't actually make sense. It makes sense that M has lots of chairs and paperwork and that sort of thing. He's always I... writing stuff down and handing out dossiers and He wouldn't have an office, would he? No, Bond would not have an office. Certainly not one that he kept pictures on the wall of and or no, this wouldn't make sense. He wouldn't have an office at all. We never see him with an office ever again. So, I, I don't think it makes sense at all. It's a shit film. It's a stupid film. <laughs> let, let's, let's end this and never speak of it again. I think that's the only way to deal with this film. We're, gonna, we're now officially saying this never happened. We're just, we'll just leave it. Fine. It, it didn't happen. We didn't do this. I've recorded nothing. We didn't have this conversation. I didn't watch that film. Block it out. Oh, I watched some rubbish so I can talk about it, you know. At least it wasn't Star Trek Generations again. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly put that on the other day by accident. It was on Netflix. And I just watched the Oh, Star Trek. Oh, wait, no. That's no. <laughs> that's Generations. Oh, don't put that on. I escaped and watched some other garbage instead. That's what Netflix is for. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. I, I hope you sympathize with our journey and and do you know what watch the film and then come back and listen don't to this again the and then you'll, don't watch you'll the understand film. just ignore it forget the film forget this episode just skip to the next one i'm looking forward to the next one diamonds of forever is gonna is is a fun one. Oh god it's really? not right it's not brilliant it's it's not one of the better ones but it's a more fun one i i've i i struggled i've watched it already i str- i struggled I did, and I just—it's when you sat there in the film, halfway through, going, "I'm kind of looking forward to Roger Moore," and then you go, "What did I just say?" Yeah. To be honest, the reason why I like Diamonds Are Forever is because I've been on holiday and stayed in two shooting locations of that film. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. And that's that's a lot to do with it. There's a street in Amsterdam that a shot I... is on that I've we stayed in. And uh, the Tropicana in Las Vegas. Good, but uh, that's next next show. But that's yeah, that's the next one. And neither place looks like pretty much like it does now anyway. So <laughs> you know, ignore me. Oh God, he's just walked into a room with a kilt on in the one I'm watching. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so we'll be back later with another show of this on Simply Everything. I hope you're enjoying them so far. We get precious little feedback. <laughs> so sorry. So, so sorry. Well, we do this, this so they don't have to. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I guess. I think we're doing a public service. That's what this is. Feel good about yourself. We've watched it so they don't have to. We're good people. <laughs> okay, let's leave it there. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>